We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. Now we got the vibe going real good here. Wait, are we not doing traffic reports right now for Bill's game? <laughs> yeah, that's my bet for traffic reports. <laughs> I was just going to say. Let's go to Al Harris now for traffic down at, <laughs> down in Orchard Park. I was going to uh, say, wow. Back back when I uh, when I helped out a lot with the uh, Bill's broadcast in the, in the game, in game day production, at least. Back here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary this weekend. Nate's away for the weekend. He'll be back, of course, next week as... Uh, as we really get close to Bill's game day, yeah, next, next be... Saturday will be uh, one day away. We're eight days away right now, so uh, we're, we're here pl- talking plenty of Bill's football. I got Derek Kramer to come in for the next two hours to join me on the show. Derek, it's it's so good to see your face again. How are you there, good uh, sir? First off, I'm just going to apologize to everyone listening now. Um, yes, I was gone, uh, but now I am back. Yeah, so we're happy to have you back. So sorry to everyone. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, you know, circumstances have been quite wild over the past two years. If if you were uh, sleeping oh, under yeah, a rock, you know, so. like if you were sleeping under a rock, you were <laughs> spared. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, what happened over the last two years? You didn't know. Uh, we're just not gonna let you yeah, worry about it. Don't you worry about it. No, nothing really happened. It's Google's okay. a thing. Go do it. It's okay. So, uh, so yeah, Derek's gonna be here for the next two hours, final two hours of the show. We're gonna talk lots and lots of Bills football. Let me get in a hockey thought or two, because th- my God, Derek, these these Minnesota Wild Winter Classic jerseys are um, top notch, awful. Yes, they are. We'll talk about that later. Though. And uh, yeah, what a surprise! The guy that uh, is wearing a Sweden hockey hockey jersey right now is uh, yeah is thinking about talking about hockey jerseys. Yeah, what what jersey has tan elbow patches? Ripped ones. Not just hockey. Any any jersey. Which one has elbow patches? Ripped ones. Sure. Right? <laughs> Not right? mine. Anyway, the reason why I'm wearing a Sweden jersey, by the way, is because um, the NHL players are going back to the Olympics, That's which right. is really, really cool. That's pretty good. Actually. I'm celebrating that fact today by bringing back Sports Jersey Saturday for another Saturday. Um, you know, it's been a while since we've had Sports Jersey Saturday, and I figured, you know what? I've had this jersey sitting in the closet for a while. Let's bring it out. Let's rock it, and let's celebrate the fact that we're going to be able to see players like uh, Rasmus Dahlin, Jack Eichel, if Jack Eichel still a member yeah. of the Sabers in the I Olympics. Mean, we'd still be able to see him, sure, 
he should be, he should play for Tebow or not. That and if he's also healthy, because who knows yes. when he's actually going to be able to get surgery. The report there's been speculation that he's he's going to get surgery. It's just what type of surgery we don't know, and nobody and, knows. And it's it's that sports. It's that sports talk Saturday tradition that there's always a college football game on in the producer room. Oh yeah, well there's you know, well, we got we we're, we're back here. We're back and uh, just turn on the TV. Every bit of football is coming back in here. So they gotta cut the garbage with people wearing overalls at sporting events. <laughs> like if you don't have an actual job, like the only person who could wear overalls is like Brayton because he works on an actual farm. <laughs> like if you don't have a job where you do work if you're just like a college student you mostly play like xbox over a land like no you don't get to wear overalls to a sporting event i'm sorry hang that's on. stolen valor i've got i've got corduroys at home not surprised <laughs> not surprised at all but uh, the same thing Corey. i could have just cut your sentence off at the words at sporting events just why wear overalls? But, well, again, the, t- talk to the farm boy over there who works on the moisture farm over on Tatooine. He'll look, be able he's... to explain why he needs it. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you're a college kid and it looks like you have never oh once done on. work, like, you don't get to Hang wear on. overalls. I... Put it on the poll. Should anyone wear overalls? All right, so... <laughs> Over, overalls at sporting events. Stolen valor? Question mark. It's yes, going up let, right now. Do it. Do it. Overalls at sporting events. Goodness. Stolen valor? Let's. This is the stuff I go ahead and... We uh, are getting way bring. off the rails here Hi, already. Hi, it's me. My I goodness. told you I'm sorry in oh, advance. Hey. Oh, hey. I told uh, you in advance <laughs> I apologize I didn't know what I would be sorry for, but I was sorry for something. It's okay. Uh, destroying your well-planned show—that was absolutely, uh, apparently, what I needed to apologize for. Nah, it's all for. good. It's um, all good. I, I was just I, uh, while you guys were having that banter, I was trying to figure out what the heck's you, going on with our TV because I couldn't get it to turn on and I couldn't get it to ESPN so we could actually have some college football on. Would you rather uh, wear overalls or that terrible Minnesota jersey? Overalls. <laughs> With I'd rather wear my corduroy overalls, uh, and and that's it. Just just the the corduroy overalls instead of that wild jersey. The wild should just go out in overalls <laughs> when they play in the Winter Classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could do All it. All right, uh, we're getting way off topic here. Bills football, Derek. Yeah, that's Did the you, thing. Yeah, they're uh, they're back in. Uh, in and, eight days. And not wearing overalls. The, yes, not wearing overalls. The Bills are playing the Steelers week one of the NFL season coming up next Sunday at at uh, Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park. Bills versus Steelers. We'll have coverage here on WGR, starting with Derek and Louis DiBiase hey. for breakfast with the Bills at 7 a.m. If you're, if you're panicking about week one fantasy questions already... Uh, Louis and I will be there for yes, you. Yes, exactly. As we, as we have been for the last exactly. five years. Which... I just want to say real quick about that show. Like when I originally made the pitch about that switching to a fantasy football format, mm-hmm. and Nate and I were the first hosts of that. Um, the Bills were a barren wasteland in fantasy yeah. football. It was LaShawn McCoy and literally do not touch anything else that has the word Buffalo in it other <laughs> Zay than the defense. Jones. <laughs> Zay Jones, Calvin Benjamin, Jordan Matthews. Yeah. These were real nightmares. Yeah. And that was just five years ago, people. So to look at this team now mm-hmm. and the content that we'll be able to talk about it with this, with this group is you have must starts throughout the lineup. And it's really cool to see that the Bills are one of those teams now. And it's just the little things that you can appreciate there. Because 
to have to talk about the Bills and fantasy football at 7 a.m. Yeah. Like, the, like what the Bills could bring fantasy football-wise. Man, I'm glad that uh, I was able to start out like that because iron sharpens iron in mm-hmm. that case because you dig deep absolutely to uh, find what you need to talk about. Now, you can start any Bill and uh, not have anyone really yeah. look at you crazily. Right, right. exactly. So, fantasy, uh, so Breakfast with the Bills fantasy style is at 7 a.m. every Bills game day at 1 o'clock. That'll kick off our Bills coverage here on WGR. Then we go to Bills game day with Jeremy White and Nate Geary at 8 o'clock to 10. Then at 10, it'll be Nate staying on for Bills coverage, and he'll be joined by Jody Biasi at 10 o'clock. Uh, you'll get the, the Duntire roundtable during that time. Uh, and then at 12.30, you'll hear from Bills head coach Sean McDermott with Eric Wood. You get your 1 o'clock kickoff. Following the game, immediately after the game, we'll have Bills postgame coverage with Mike Schoep and the Bulldog, followed by the overtime show with Nate again. So uh, Bills football coverage continuing on. Not only that, but also uh, Odyssey has reached an agreement for the radio rights broadcast uh, for to extend the coverage with WGR remaining as the flagship station of both the Bills and the Sabres. So we're really looking forward to bringing you continued Bills coverage throughout the year. So, Derek, uh, a lot has happen with the Bills this offseason. I mean, it's nothing like the year before where we had the pandemic and we acquired Stefan Diggs and the Bills kind of, you know, looked a little bit different on offense. They did bring in a couple of different people. You know, Matt Burita comes in, uh, Emmanuel Sanders comes into the picture. Just what do you make of the Bills offseason overall and, and just what they've been able to show this preseason heading into the real action coming up next week? Honestly, this is just Almost it seems like this offseason was par for the course. Um, they are they are looking to build a consistent contender, and you have all the steps in place to do so. Uh, your quarterback is extended long-term. And in case it was a freak one-year wonder, you even have out clauses for that. So you've even protected yourself from what nobody expects to happen anymore. But it's there, just in case. I do think, though, that one of the biggest things that you're going to look at with this team now is how are the lines going to look? The offensive line, as great as it was in pass protection last year, uh, wasn't the best at opening holes and causing running lanes to be opened up for uh, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. That was one of the real downsides of this team in this offense. Last year was the only downside on the offense was the running game. Now... Singletary's looking fresh. Moss is in his second year. I think that they're going to look better and have a better time closing out games. One of the biggest problems this team had last year was the third quarter nap. And now, I think with a with an improved running game, you'd be able to do that. It's still the same cast from last year. So we don't know how well it's going to go. But if you can get better run blocking, if you can get better production out of the backfield, we're not going to have to worry about needing fourth quarter Josh on a consistent basis anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not going to choke away a 28-3 to lead against the Rams and have to come back with a game-winning drive to do it. If they can get that done, that is your one concern about this offense. That's it. We're used to an we're used to offenses that would have problems scoring 17 points. Yeah. Now they could do it in a quarter. Right. No, and I mean we we saw that all throughout the the especially the tail end of the season right after I'd say right after um, the bye week. Right after I mean even after the Patriots game week, what was it? Week 8? Yep. Where, you know, the Justin Zimmer game 
we can the very next game against the Seahawks, we saw the the Bills put up 44 points against a Seahawks team that for several years has been so good putting up points. Uh, even the game where they lost to to Arizona with the the um, the Kyler Murray the Hale Murray game or whatever. The Bills were still putting up production in that game, and then throughout the rest of the season, it was just the Bills were an unstoppable offensive scoring machine. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, it didn't really matter. The Bills were putting the football in the end zone. They were putting up points on the scoreboard, and especially in that Week 17 game, in a game that really didn't even matter in terms of, you know, what the Bills were going to do, end up they win that game, and it ends up actually them earning the number 2 spot in the AFC, so that was kind of important. But at the same point, you know, even the second team, the second team offense on this team can still put up a lot of production, and that goes to prove the work that Brandon Bean has done building this roster one to fifty three, and that is one of the best things that we've seen from this general manager is not just having the top end talent like a Josh Allen, like a Tre'Davious White. Mm-hmm. You also have one of the deepest rosters one to fifty three in the entire league. There are players that have been cut or put on the practice squad, that could be on rosters elsewhere. And you really have to go ahead and look at yourself and go, this is the time. I remember earlier on in the preseason, before Gardner Minshew was traded for like a six-round pick or something like that. <laughs> right. But a lot of one of the bigger questions was, if Trubisky shows off in the preseason, do you try to flip him for like a mid-round pick? Right. Um, answer here is no. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always on that kind of train of no keep him around because you want one to 53 to be as great as it can be right i do think though the last question mark you have is can this defense rebound Mm -hmm. they fell to middle of the pack last year they you saw the glaring problem with trying to get a pass rush going in the afc championship game and you saw what a great pass rush could do to even patrick mahomes so it's not like the guy is invincible He's just really great at football. Mm-hmm. But if you but if you pressure anybody in the world, they're going to show a little decline in their progress and uh and what they can do. I do like that they went heavy on it in the draft. And Rousseau and Basham have had pretty good moments in the preseason. But now's the time to see what they're made of. Because preseason done. We don't have to see the likes of Bobby Hart in a uh in a football jersey anymore. <laughs> I'm not even talking about just the Bills jersey. In a football jersey, mm-hmm. I would hope. Uh, I don't wish that upon any of my enemies. Maybe. <laughs> but now it's for real. Yeah. Now it's for real, and you get a good test right away when it comes to your offense. I do think that it's going to be tough sledding to score points. Sure. The Steelers' defense is generally consistently one of the top units. Right. And are projected to be again. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that just like the Bills' defense last year, Things do not always match defensively, and those sorts of metrics, you always see a defense, a right. top tier defense, always fall a little bit. Yeah, right. And we and we and we saw that especially when the Bills played the Steelers last year. I mean, that was at the really the kind of the starting point of the Steelers just overall as a team starting to take that really sharp decline. At they the were end of they the were season. declining immediately. They were declining right. the weeks prior. Right and. Still finding ways to win. Finding ways to win. Then they lost to Washington, and then there it was. Yeah, right. It was It was almost like, okay, here's your chance now. But their big problem was their offense. Yeah, their offense. Their defense was still, for the most part, doing its good. job. But the thing that they did in that game that I remember really well against the Steelers was they were taking away their best defensive weapon, and that is T.J. Watt. They were containing him very well. Um, 
I think he wasn't he mostly going up against Daryl Williams in that game. Yeah, yeah, and Daryl Williams. Lot. That was kind of like that's a tough task. That was kind of like the game where I think a lot of people saw Daryl Williams as like, okay, this guy probably needs to be back for the long term here and and protecting Josh Allen. Although you know Deion Dawkins is on his blind side, it's important to protect the other side too yeah. to allow Josh Allen to have a clean pocket. See one Bobby Hart. Right. Uh, I remember seeing some videos of him and how Burrow would just get absolutely just destroyed. Yeah. It's a huge reason why he got hurt. Yeah, and um, I, I think though, like it, it is like a right tackle is still very important right. in this league. It's not oh, a write off sure. position, uh, especially with the fact that now people are like defensive coordinators are now like, why don't we put our best pass rusher on their worst mm-hmm. offensive lineman to see if we can just at least generate more pressures, cause step ups, and try to at least manipulate the pocket. And sure, the the Steelers still have good defensive. I mean, they have plenty of good defensive weapons, but. Their number one, I don't think there's any doubt, it's T.J. Watt. And the Bills did a really nice job of making sure he did not take over the game defensively for them. And he allowed they allowed Josh Allen to, again, Josh Allen wasn't perfect in that game, but it allowed the Bills to stay in the game. And it, and it really did take the turn when Taron Johnson had the pick six touchdown against Big Ben, and then exactly. the rest of it kind of went Buffalo's way. The offense started to click a little bit better. But certainly to me, I think that, the way this Buffalo Bills offense looks on paper, at least heading into this week one matchup, they have the significant advantage against the Steelers. And again, the Steelers defense on paper looks good as well. But I still think that when you compare the two, I think that Buffalo has that that slight edge. And the biggest thing now is, can this defense be able to step up? You get a pretty, mm-hmm. pretty you get a decent test here. I mean... It's not like the Steelers don't have talent. It's not as talented as it was, say, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But you still have to deal with solid wide receivers. You still have to deal with a rookie running back who is talented in, in Harris. And I do think that Ben Roethlisberger at least still commands respect, even though he's not the same player that he once was. I would like to see if you can go ahead and get after a Steelers offensive line. Mm-hmm. That can be had, yeah. And if you start off the season like that, the confidence boost that you can get from rookies playing in their first NFL game, if you could sack someone, say of the stature of a Ben Roethlisberger, that's a good way to start. Yeah, yeah. Eight oh three oh five fifty one eighty eight five fifty two five fifty. Derek Kramer joining me here in studio for the final two hours of Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary this week again. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, Derek, we'll get to the conversation of your main uh, storylines that you're going to be following throughout the entire season coming up in a little bit. Uh, but first, we're going to take a timeout because we're going to have Joe Marino from the Draft Network, who's going to be heavily watching these games uh, for college football in the opening week of college football today. And, you know, we'll ask him plenty of Bills uh, topics as well, get more of his thoughts on the Bills heading into the regular season. So we'll we'll take a timeout. We'll get Joe Marino on next, and then we'll talk some more Bills football following that. And a fun topic I want to bring up in the 1 o'clock hour that I was having with Mike Baggerman on Thursday. Derek, we'll get your thoughts on it as well. Corey, you can chime in with it as well because I think it's a <laughs> – I thought it was fun at least. I hope everybody else thinks it's fun. And then and we get plenty of reaction to it because, you know, um, it's a question that I think is important for a number of different reasons. It's not like a, a, a super important one, but, it, it you know, th- the discussion that's going to come up is, oh, would I rather be this or would I rather have this and be happy that way? So we'll get to that in the one o'clock hour. Again, Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate here on Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer here with me. Corey Griswold producing here on WGR. 
WGR Sports Radio 550. From the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Never miss a moment of WGR Sports Radio 550 again. Rewind up to 24 hours with Odyssey Rewind. Download the Odyssey app. Select WGR and go back in time. Driven by Northtown Automotive. Shop online at NorthtownAuto.com. All right, welcome back to WGR Sports Radio 550 Sports Talk Saturday. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary this weekend. Hope you're enjoying your Labor Day weekend so far. Derek Kramer is also in studio with me here on WGR, enjoying the Saturday that we have here together. We've got Michigan and Western Michigan on uh, our TVs here in the WGR studio. And I'm not sure what Joe Marino is watching, but he's probably got a lot of college football to watch this weekend. Joe Marino of the Draft Network and also the Locked On Bills podcast joining us right now in the Western Hotline. Uh, Joe, thanks again for taking the time. I guess i got to ask you right off the bat, how many college games are you paying attention to this weekend? I know you've probably got a lot on the docket. Well, pay attention to is, is all of them. You know, in terms of the ones <laughs> that I'm really dialed into right now, it's Penn State and Wisconsin. Then we're going Miami, Alabama, and of course Clemson and Georgia mm-hmm. to cap off today. Well, very good. Yeah, so uh, Joe, of course, of the Draft Network, you can uh, follow along with him on Twitter at the Joe Marino. The and the is just the. I just like to emphasize the though because you know there are other, other Joe Marinos. We know another because, Joe Marino, but but and, he is the Joe Marino. This Joe Marino is the Joe Marino. So you can follow him on Twitter. You can follow along with plenty of his thoughts on the uh, upcoming draft class that's going to be happening, but. Joe, we got you on today to talk a little bit of uh, Bills football and just your thoughts overall on uh, what you've seen from the team in the preseason. And I guess we'll start off there. What did you like from this Bills team in the preseason from the action that you did get to see uh, heading into the opener coming up next Sunday against the Steelers? Well, I, I think you put a lot of stock into that last game against Green Bay where you saw the starters play. Uh, for you know an extended period of time, and that's probably the most meaningful takeaways that we can glean from the preseason. And obviously, Josh Allen being the the story of how sharp he looked and in total command and control of the offense. And if you had doubts about him being able to replicate what he did last year, or if you had concerns about him playing in front of people in the stands, there was fifty thousand people there, and so he certainly answered a lot of those questions uh, that maybe some of the doubters may have had going into this year. But I would probably shift gears to the defense for my most notable takeaway as we look for this Bills defense to bounce back uh, from a down year after what the team was the previous two years under Sean McDermott. And I really feel like the design of this defense is to try and create negative plays and takeaways and you know put the, the opposing offense behind the sticks. Now with that is probably going to come some situations where the Bills are kind of that bend but don't break defense where uh, opponents are able to move the football. But if you're going to score points, you're going to have to stack together 10, 11, 12 plays and finish. And I think that's kind of what they're subscribing to because the Bills offensively are going to put so much pressure on opponents to keep pace, and it's a different vantage point for that defense. And they struggled to, to kind of play from that that vantage point last year. And I think the, the counter this year is, okay, we understand that statistically it may not measure up to previous years, but if we can keep the, the, the pressure on them by scoring, but also then by being an attack-style defense with these, these waves of defensive linemen and ball hawks on the back end, you know, we could be tough to score on them. So that's kind of what I gleaned from preseason in terms of what I 
what I can extrapolate and think this team's going to be like in 2021. Joe, I think a lot of the the people that are going to be watching um, this team going forward is going to be a lot of position competition. You know, uh, Sean McDermott earlier this week said that there's plenty of competition still going on in practice, and uh, you know, there's the competition with the offensive line and guard still. We we don't necessarily know who's exactly going to get first team reps come Sunday. Cornerbacks, another competition. Which which competition battle are you still looking forward to watching? Not only as the practice time still goes throughout this week, but also as the season continues to go along, kind of going along with the theme of just like what headlines are you following along? What what position battles are you looking forward to, to watching as the season goes on? Well, I think that's a good question, and I think the angle that I'm taking with this, and, I, and I'm not sure I've heard too many people say this, is you know we're looking at the guard situation, we're looking at the CB2 situation, and when I think about the history of, if you will, unsettled positions and competitions under Coach McDermott that go into the regular season, there's been a rotation. We saw that with Matt Milano and Ramon Humber. We saw it with Ty Secchi and Cody Ford. We saw it with Josh Norman and Levi Wallace. And so maybe that's the answer. Maybe it really will be Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace rotating at corner like Wallace and Norman did last year. Maybe it's going to be uh, some combination of Bucker. Ford and Feliciano rotating in and out like we saw them do with Inseki and Ford. And so I think that could be our answer. And if somebody becomes a clear answer and you can't pull them off the field, well, then it's settled. But if they're not settled at this point, I do think that we should be willing to be open to the idea that they may just rotate at those two positions. Joe, one of the things that I'm really looking for um, this team to do better going into 2021 is the ability to really just close out the games. Cause how many times frustratingly did they let a team back into a game last season when they immediately first half took it to them and now they're coming into it in the third quarter lulls happened. And now you got to look at this team and think the ability to close out games. Can we look for improvement in the running game when it comes to run blocking and also from the backs themselves? And um, what kind of, hope and expectation are you putting on Singletary and Moss going into this year? Well, I thought that was definitely an issue at the beginning of the season last year, and I thought they began to answer those questions with with how they really, I mean, finish out the season incredibly strong. You saw the run game show up against Pittsburgh, against New England down the stretch. Um, in fact, I mean, I, I think one of the least discussed talking points that we should be saying more about regarding the Bills' rushing attack is that over that last stretch of games, the last eight weeks of the season, when you know the, the Bills, I thought, really hit their stride as a football team. I mean, Devin Singletary averaged over five yards a carry. Zach Moss was, was over 4.7. And so the running game improved last year. It's just from a volume perspective, it really, you know, the numbers aren't going to be there, but on a per carry basis, it was absolutely there, especially considering where they started. And you have to go back to early in the season and remember the dynamics that existed where, you know, you have Cody Ford, uh, who gets injured right away. You have John Feliciano, who doesn't start for several weeks into the season. I mean, remember Brian Winters was starting games at guard for this football team, and that offensive line, you know, they never had the, the combination of five that they preferred at any point during the season last year because of injuries, especially with the middle three players. And so as things stabilized, as Bacher became the guard, as Feliciano came back and was healthy, as Zach Moss got past the early season turf toe, the run game did get better last year. And so I think you, you kind of take that momentum into an offseason where Brian Diebel can 
figure out from a design perspective what he wants this run game to look like. You get Zach Moss healthy. You have you know Devin Singletary another year with the system, and obviously he's transformed his his body a bit, and he looks a bit more explosive. And so I think you put all that together, and you should have a lot of optimism about the Bills' rushing attack being able to complement what they do in terms of the passing game and give them a little bit more punch closing out football games. Joe Marino from the Locked On Bills podcast and also the Draft Network joining us right now on the Wester Hotline here on WGR. Sticking with the offense here, Joe, uh, one of the other headlines I'm kind of looking forward to this season is just kind of how they – split up the reps between wide receivers this year? Because we all know Stefan Diggs is the number one guy. He's going to be out there a lot, getting the ball thrown to him a lot. He led the league in receiving and uh, reception yards last year, so there's no doubt he's going to get looked a lot at. But I'm also, uh, what I'm looking at is more of the Gabriel Davises and the Emmanuel Sanders and the Cole Beasleys and you know even the Isaiah McKenzies. Just just how do you think they're going to spread the ball around with so many good options for Josh Allen to get the ball to? Yeah, I think you can see expect to see another eleven personnel, three wide receivers on the field seventy percent of the time probably. You'll probably get ten personnel, four receivers another ten percent of the time. And the Bills aren't afraid to go empty either, where I think you could see some five-receiver packages. And so I'm guessing somewhere around 90% of the Bills' offensive snaps will feature at least three receivers on the field. And, you know, this is a great problem to have where you have a lot of different skill sets. I think that's what's the exciting part is you've got a lot of talent and you've got a little bit of an issue here with getting everyone on the field and feeding them the football and keeping everyone happy but you have a lot of complementary skill sets and guys that win in different ways and at different levels of the field. And so from a matchup perspective, from the concepts that you want to run perspective, uh, you just have options. And so, um, you know, maybe, maybe you don't have a situation where the Bills pass the ball for 5,000 yards and you have multiple 1,000-yard receivers, but you got a bunch that have six, 700 yards. And certainly Diggs will get his, that's no question. Uh, but uh, I, I think you can look to see a, a, a even more diverse passing game in terms of the players that are featured and, and how the ball is distributed. And that's a good problem to have, and I think that's exactly what they want this offense to look like and be. Joe, the biggest uh, off-season buzz that I think a lot of Bill's Twitter was going on about was um, the tight end position, and they just went ahead and put a nuke to any hopes and dreams <laughs> of it. Uh, so they're moving forward with – Knox, Sweeney, Gilliam, and honestly, I'm not all that surprised. I think that they believe in Dawson Knox. Uh, what do you think that the uh, position is going to look like heading into the season here? And what, again, what do you think they're going to roll with here? We mentioned You just mentioned the fact that they're not afraid of going empty. So is it really just going to be another one of those things where fans are just going to be disappointed in the position once again? Well, I, I mean, here's there's so much to dig into with this tight end conversation. I mean, first of all, you just saw last year the best offense the Buffalo Bills have ever put on the field, ever. Not close, over 500 points. The best it's ever been. And tight ends weren't a big part of it. And so if, if you want the tight ends to be a bigger part of the offense, but it's still not as effective, I don't understand that talking point. The reason the Bills' offense was so dynamic last year was, of course, Josh Allen, but because he threw the football to wide receivers. The Bills' wide receivers as a group had 400 more receiving yards than any other team in the NFL when it comes to just wide receiver production. And so I don't understand why you would be interested in changing that script. Now, what is interesting is 
Brandon Bean came out after the season and, and put the tight end room on blast. He said, we never really got that group to the point where we thought that other teams were concerned about playing uh, our tight ends and stopping them from going off. And he specifically said, we'd love to have a guy like the one we just played in Kansas City. That's the goal. And so this expectation was created that something was going to happen at tight end. You know, I do the Lockdown Bills podcast. I take a lot of questions. A lot of people were pounding the table for going after a Hunter Henry or a John O. Smith or trading for Zach Ertz or making a move in the draft to go way up and get Kyle Pitts just for the sake of answering this tight end question. And what did the Bills do? They did basically nothing. You're going into this season with Dawson Knox, and, you know, year three for him, he's been an inconsistent player. He's got a lot of tools and traits that I think can make him dynamic. And Tommy Sweeney, a seventh-round pick from 2019, it didn't play last year. you got this hybrid guy in Reggie Gilliam. It's a fullback tight end guy. And so I'm sure there's a lot of Bills fans that are very disappointed on what's happened this offseason at the tight end position, which I would remind you that tight ends – we're not a big part of the offense last year, and it was the best offense the Bills have ever put on the field, the best offense in the AFC, and uh, I wouldn't mess with that formula. if it, You don't want tight end production just to, for the sake of it. You don't want to take away targets from Beasley and, and Diggs and, and Sanders and, and Davis just so that you throw the ball to tight ends if it doesn't mean the offense is actually better. Joe, last question I've got for you is surrounding Tremaine Edmonds. I think that since the Bills drafted Tremaine Edmonds, it almost seems like we've all been kind of been left wanting more from Tremaine Edmonds. And him getting Star Latulale back on the on the defensive line this year should allow him to to have a little more space to be able to work and kind of do his thing. But what do you want to see from Tremaine Edmonds in year four of this Buffalo Bills defense? And and what do you need to see more from him? To establish to in your for you in your mind to establish that you know he's he's gonna be able to fit in as a very good middle linebacker in the NFL for quite some time. Such an interesting player to discuss because there's this one hand where this guy is you know in his going into his fourth season and he's um, young right like 23 years old mm-hmm. so, such a young football player and has already started a lot of games. He's been the starting Mike linebacker for the NFL's number three defense as a rookie, number two defense his second season, number 14 last year. He's a two-time team captain, a two-time pro bowler, and we're wondering if this guy's going to arrive, right? Like, Because the accolades are absolutely there, and he's young and, and gifted. But I do understand that there's a consistency issue with Tremaine Edmonds and that he needs to be a more consistently impactful player, particularly when playing downhill. I think we're all pretty comfortable with – what he brings in terms of uh, coverage and getting his hands in throwing lanes and uh, being able to be that you know that real challenge in the middle of the field to to fit the football behind, but you know playing forward, being more consistent in man coverage, playing off contact, all of those things are questions, and I think it comes from Tremaine Edmonds just just trusting what he sees more consistently and more quickly, right? Like you have to read your keys and you have to go, and so I think that's the thing with Tremaine. He got he has to get ahead of blocks more consistently by processing faster and playing faster. And you'd like to think that entering year four with the amount of experience that he has, not only in the NFL, but in this system with this personnel, that it comes together this year. So that discrepancy between, uh, you know, what this guy's done and what his resume is and the perception of him, you know, I I certainly understand he's he's kind of a complicated player, but, you know, the stage is absolutely there. It's set for him to really, you know, put everything together and, and become an upper echelon middle linebacker this year. 
Joe Marino from the Draft Network joining us right now on the Western Hotline here on WGR and also of the Locked on Bills podcast. Joe, we appreciate you taking the time out of a busy college football schedule for you to join us to talk some Bills football. Enjoy the football season, and we'll talk to you again very soon. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Joe Marino joining us here on the Western Hotline. Uh, for all things Bills, be sure to subscribe to Locked On Bills on the Odyssey app, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you'll be able to hear uh, Joe there. And and as we were wrapping that conversation up with uh, Joe Marino, um, a Michigan wide receiver just made an incredible catch. It got called back on a pass interference penalty that was called on Michigan by that receiver. But how do you, holy cow, what a catch that how was. How do you make a one-handed catch and then still get flagged for pass interference? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, certainly. It's certainly, not like he was using the other arm right. to push the other guy away. Right. That was more of a good battle between a wide receiver I, and a corner. And I think you could have either easily called the pass interference either way. There was contact, there was hand fighting and everything, but you you probably should just let that go. Roughs, man. Not only that, but just what an incredible catch. I mean, if, if it comes up on Twitter, I'm, which I'm sure it will, it, it has to, for goodness sake, as like one of the uh, greatest catches that wasn't a catch. It was like the Derrick Henry run last year where he stiff-armed Josh Norman into oblivion, uh, where it was just like, yeah, that was a great run. It didn't count, though. But it's been a, a topic of highlights and everything like that for uh, quite some time. But again, thanks to Joe Marino for joining us here, talking some Bills football. Uh, Derek and I will come back. We'll wrap up the segment. We'll get uh, Derek's quick thoughts on his main headlines um, going into the upcoming 2021 season for the Bills and what he's looking to see uh, going forward from this team, not only from week one, but also as the season rolls along. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary this week on Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer's here. Corey Grizzold's here. You're listening to WGR. WGR Sports Radio 550. are expertly curated for sports listeners like you. Introducing hundreds of new exclusive music stations available now only on Odyssey. Here we are back on Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Brayton Wilson here filling in for Nate Gary this week. Derek Kramer's also here in studio with me. We just got done talking with Joe Marino from the Draft Network and the Lockdown Bills podcast. If you missed that, Corey will have it on demand for you momentarily at WGR550.com. We also talked with Sal earlier today. He's going to be also available on demand for you to listen back to and get the chance to get caught up on the latest Bills action. So... Uh, coming up in the next segment, we're going to have a little bit of a fun discussion that I hope that everybody that's listening joins in on the fun, calls in, tweets in, texts in. However you want to get in on the conversation, you can do that. Uh, <laughs> 8030550 is our phone number here. And uh, real quick, I'm just going to derail your show one more time. Oh, goodness. Um, so Madden continues to be laughably bad. No. I just saw Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I just saw a tweet uh, from Ned Hunt. It's Ned Hunt 16 uh, sending out a picture of uh, what Madden perceives to be Isaiah Hodgins, and it is Jake Kumaro's face. Uh, <laughs> I've got to say, what fake football thing is worse, Madden or Bishop Sycamore? Madden. <laughs> he, that's Madden easy. Madden's way worse. Madden is consistently worse. Listen, right. I I didn't know much about the whole Bishop Sycamore story until I I watched a couple of like videos and like got some 
interesting perspective on why it's being talked about so highly I and so say, controversially. I gotta say, and I'm gonna get trouble. Yeah. If anyone, if anyone from my job is listening right now, I'm gonna get myself in a lot of trouble by saying this. But I spent a lot more time reading about Bishop Sycamore than doing my actual job. See, if, you, if when people start, they're gonna watch you to a lot fraud, more now. Man, <laughs> I mean, it's tough. I mean. Madden's just a bad product. It's horrible. Uh, Bishop Sycamore is like it was a it was a great finesse, and then they got famous, and that's the and that's the problem with a grip. Problem, you can't. No, it's got to be good <laughs> enough to work, and bad enough that nobody pays attention to yeah, it. Yeah, like a, a part of a grift is that nobody's paying attention so you can keep getting away with it. Bishop Sycamore you put is yourself quick- on national television. Yeah, Bishop Sycamore is quickly becoming one of the greatest sports scams in the history of sports. And it doesn't becoming, matter if it's high school sports, college sports, pro sports. And it's becoming even one of the greater memes. Yeah, it's it's... Yeah, like there's a lot of people on Twitter that are like renaming themselves, you know, mocking Bishop Sycamore or something Here's what like you that. Do. If you're out of your fantasy football league's uh, competition by week 13, empty out your lineup, call it Bishop Sycamore. There we go. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, again, a reminder that this week uh, Odyssey had announced that um, WGR is going to remain the flagship station of the Bills and the Sabres with the radio broadcast rights contract extension we just signed. Um, I can happily say that we have not signed on in any sort of way with Bishop Sycamore and broadcasting their games. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm the quarterback. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, you could probably pass along as the quarterback. There are some kids on that team, a high school team that are 20, 21 years old. So, um, yeah. I I just I, I watched some of the or got more details of some of that story with Bishop Sycamore and I'm just like these people need to go to jail. Hit me up they with some of your best jail. Hit me up with some of your best Bishop Sycamore tweets at Derek Kramer forty nine. Oh boy, man, we're we're really getting off the rails here. Uh, real quick, just just a reminder that today is the day. Uh, where the Canadians, I don't know if they have a deadline or whatnot, but the Canadians have to match the offer sheet that the That's Carolina right. Hurricanes um, signed with Gasperi Kakaniemi. Uh, very petty, but I, I do have to say, like, good for Carolina because, um, you know, Montreal signed the offer sheet for Sebastian Ajo, and it was mocked. It was a joke. It, it was just like, really? Like, Sebastian is a good player, and Carolina's, like, thanking you. Whereas Carolina actually did what offer sheets are supposed to do. They are supposed to be predatory. Jeremy Wade has wrote about this on our website as like, you know, offer sheets should be more around and, and you know, it's predatory. That's the whole point of offer sheets is predatory. You go to another team, you go to their top restricted free agents and you offer them an sh- offer sheet. If they sign, they're willing to go to your team. And then the other team, like, it's just kind of like, well, Maybe we can't offer sheet or we can't match it, so they have to leave. And it's just like, okay. So, yeah, like when we look at other top offer sheet candidates, like Brady Kachuk in Ottawa is one. But Like some teams should offer sheet Brady Kachuk Bray- probably. And what about GM's feelings as the Tampa Bay Lightning abused the cap to win two straight Stanley Cups? Yeah. Well, what I mean, about it's, their it's feelings? In the rules. They, can, they can do that. And it's the same thing my, here. What about my feelings, Brayton? That's, what about my feelings as an NHL point. general manager? It's my feelings are getting hurt. <laughs> here's my here's my argument to the whole feelings part. Um, You're and, a grown and this man. Is, this is when I say this. This is not a shot at uh, at Kevin Adams at all. But like when when Kevin Adams was speaking before um, the last season started, his very first season, his very first off season as a GM, 
he was he said he was talking to a lot of other GMs and a lot of other personnel around the league and were saying like, man, you know, it's been great to get the chance to talk to them. I've been able to ask questions. They've been so helpful, kind of helping me uh, get acclimated into my new role and in, in being a GM in the NHL. And it's really great. Um, yeah, once the season starts. All of those guys that you had talked to and asked questions and got help from, they're not going to lend a helping hand to you anymore. This is the NHL. Every team out there is looking to win the Stanley Cup. And when the season starts, as a lot of other people in the NHL have said, they're throwing you anchors. They're not trying to help you. They're trying to drown you. And that's pretty much what this offer sheet is doing is that it's like, okay, Montreal lost Philip Deneau this offseason. They didn't re-sign Jesperi Konkaniemi in time. So the Hurricanes, while I think it's a little bit of a egregious offer sheet because 6.1 for Jesperi Konkaniemi per year, I, I don't I don't think that's a good idea. Um, but they're throwing an anchor at the Canadians where it's just like, hey, you lost your one of your top defensive centers in Philip Deneau. Here, uh, we're going to make you lose a, uh, a top young center that could potentially be a really good second-line center in the NHL, and yes, Sperry Kakaniami. Good luck finding replacements, Montreal. You are listening oh, to the Link Donald, for the Break oh, show with... Oh, jeez. Come on, Corey. Come on. He's literally I like telling how you it was You're stealing that from... It was 101, and you started to make a point. Okay. And it's like, okay, I'll now you gotta fine. knock it off. Fine, I'll go to break. I gotta go out in the hallway and find a button to press. Okay. Like, let's go. Well, I think I think I made my point anyway. So, all right, we'll take a break at Corey's behest. So we'll 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 step aside. We'll get in the final hour here of Sports Talk Saturday. Uh, Mike Baggerman joining us at one fifteen for a fun Bills and other sports related discussion that we're gonna have, and we'll get your phone calls, tweets, and texts on the discussion because um, I tweeted it out. You can check it out on Twitter. It is up there at what we're going to be talking about next hour. So feel free to join us. Feel free to make your comments and, and give us your opinions. 8030551888552550 here on WGR. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.